Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson Part 1 The Old Buccaneer Chapter 3 The Black Spot About noon they stopped at the captain's door with some cooling drinks and medicines. He was lying very much as we had left him, only a little higher. He seemed both weak and so Jim, he said, you're the only one here. It's worth anything. You know, we've always been always good to you. Never a month for what. I've given you a silver heart for money for yourself. Now you see me, I'm pretty low and deserted by all. And Jim, you bring me one noggin of rum now, won't you, matey? The doctor I began. But he broke in cursing the doctor in a feeble voice, but heartily. Doctors are all swabs, he said. And that doctor there, why, what did he know about seafaring men? I've been in places as pitch and mates dropping around with real jack and a blessed hand and heaving like the sea with earthquakes. What the doctor know of lands like that? I lived on rum. I tell you, it's been meat and drink, man and wife to me. If I not have my rum, now I am a poor old hulk of a leash or my blood. But be you, John, Jim, and that doctor swap. He ran on again for a while with curses locked him. How, how my fingers fidgets, he continued to plead in tone. I can't keep them still now, not I. Haven't had a drop this blessed day, that doctor's a fool, I tell you. I didn't, don't have a damn of rum, Jim. I have the horrors. I seen them already. I seen old Flint in the corner there. Behind you is a plain as point print. I seen him. I get the horrors of a man that's lived rough. I raise Cain, your doctor himself, said one glass wouldn't hurt me. I'll give you a golden guinea for a noggin, Jim. He's growing more and more excited, and this alarmed me, for my father, who was very low that day, needed quiet. Besides, was sure by the doctor's words, now quoted to me, rather offended by the offer of a bribe. I want, I'd want none of your money, said I, but what, what you owe my father, I'll get you one glass, though no more. I brought it to him, he seized it greedily, drank it out. Aye, aye, he said, that's much some better, some better, sure enough. Now me, did the doctor say how long I was a lie in his old berth? A week at least, said I. Thunder, he cried, a week? We well, don't can't do that. It would be have the blacks to bottle me by then, and lovers is going about to get the wind of me this blessed moment. Lovers couldn't keep that, but what they got, I went to nail what is the lovers. Is that seemingly behaving now, I want to know? But I am a seeming so. I never wasted good money of mine, nor lost it either. Neither I trick them again. I am not afraid of them. I'll shake and overreath me. And doodle them again. As he was thus speaking, he had risen from bed. Great difficulty, holding on to my shoulder with a grip. Elmer's made me cry out and moving his legs like so much dead weight. His words spirited, as he were meaning, contrast, contrasted sadly the weakness of the voice in which they were uttered. He paused when he got to the sitting position on the edge. The doctor's gone, done me, he murmured. My legs uses singing. Lay me back. If I could do much to help him. He had fallen back 
again to his former place. We lay for a wee while silent. Jimmy said at length, You saw the seafaring man today? Black dog, I asked. Oh, Doc Black Dog, says he. He's a bad un, but there's worse to put on him, him, him on. Now, if I can't get the way now, why, I'll. And he tipped me the black spot, mind you. That's my old sea chest you're after. You've got a, on a horse. You can, can't you? Well, then, you get a horse and go. Well, yes, I will. To that eternal Dr. Swab. Attendant pipe all the hands, magistrates and such. They lay him aboard a mad raw-bone bow. All that flint crew. Man and body, all of them that's left. I was first mate. I was old flint's first mate. I'm the only one who knows the place. He gave it me and Savannah. When he lay a-dying, I like I, like as I was to, right to now. You see, but you won't preach unless you get the black spot on me, or unless you see the black dog again, or see for a man with one egg, Jim, him above all. But what is the black spot, Captain? I asked. That is the summons, mate. I tell you, if you get that, but you keep your worthless eye upon Jim. I share with you equals upon my honour. He wavered a little longer, his voice growing weaker. But soon after, I'd given him his medicine, which he took like a child. The remark, if I ever see me and body drugs, it's me. Fell at last in a heavy swoon-like sleep in which I left him. What I should have done had gone, done, had all gone well. I do not know. Probably should have told the whole story to the doctor. For I was in moral fear. Lest the, lest the captain to repeat, bent to his confessions, make an end of me. But as things fell out, my doc, poor doctor father died quite suddenly that evening, and which put us all other matters on one side. Our natural stress of visits to the neighbours, arranging the funeral, all the work of the inn had to, to be carried out. On he meanwhile kept me at me so busy, I had scarcely time to think of the captain, far less to be afraid of him. He got downstairs the next morning, be sure, his meals as usual, though, ate a little and had more, I'm afraid, than his usual supply of rum, for he helped himself out of the bar, scowling a bullion through his nose that no one dared to cross him. On the night before the funeral, he was so he was as drunk as ever. It was shocking. How some morning to hear him sing one of his ugly old sea song. Weak as he, he was, we were all in a fear of death of him. A doctor was suddenly taken up with case many miles away. was never near the house after my dad's father's death. I said the captain was weak. Indeed, I seemed rather to grow weaker. He seemed to grow weak, rather. He seemed to grow weaker than gaining strength. He clambered up and down the stairs, went down from the parlour to the bar, back again, sometimes put his nose down the doors, to smell the sea holding on the walls, as went to support them, breathing hard, fast like a man on a steep mountain. He never particularly addressed me, and in my belief he had the good that was forgotten his confidences. His temper was more flighty, and allowing for his body wilkness, more violent than ever. He was, had an alarming way now. But he was drunk with drawing his cutlass and laying it bare before, his, before him on the table. But of all that he minded people less and seemed shut up 
his own thoughts of rather wandering. Once, for instance, to our stream, one, uh, to our stream wonder, he piped up to different air, a kind of different country love song. He must have learned in his youth before he began to pass, follow the sea. Two things passed until the day after the funeral, and about three o'clock on a bitter, froggy, frosty afternoon, I was standing at the door for a moment full of sad thoughts about my father. I saw someone drawing slowly near along the road, be painfully blind, be tacked around before him, the stick and warm great green shade of his eyes, a nose he was hunched for his age of work or weakness, wore a huge old tattered sea cloak with a hood made him appear positively deformed. Never saw in life, by life, a more dreadful looking quick figure. He stopped a little from the inn, raising his voice in an old sing song, dressing here in front of him. Well, you any kind friend and father, poor old blind man, who has lost the precious sight of his eyes in gracious offence in native country England, God bless King George. Where and where part of this country may be now be. We might the Admiral Benbow, Black Hill Gove, my good man, said I. I hear a voice, he said, a young voice. Will you give me your hand, my kind young friend, and lead me in? I held out my hand, and a horrible, soft-spoken, eyeless creature gripped it in a moment like a vice. I was all, I was so much startled. I struggled to withdraw, but the blind man pulled me closer to him. The single action is at arm. Now, boy, he said, he said, take me in to the captain. Sir, said I, upon my word, I dare not. Oh, he said, that's it. Take me in straight or I break your arm. He gave it. As he spoke, a wrench that made me cry out. Sir, said I, it is for you, it is for you, so I mean. The captain is not... It used to be sits with John Cutlass, another gentleman. Come now, much, interrupted me. I never heard a voice so cruel and cold and ugly as a blind man's. He carried me one once, and, and in the pain I began to obey him at once, walking straight in at the door towards the parlour where a sick old buccaneer was sitting, days around. Blind men flung, clung close to me, holding me in one iron fist. And leaning against one of the wall, his weight on me like a carry, lay me straight up to him when we men of view cry out, Here's a friend for you, Bill. If you don't, I'll do this. And when that he gave me a twitch, I thought that made me, that would make, oh, that would make me faint. Behind this and that, I so utterly terrified the brown beggar, but I've got any terror of the captain. As they opened the parlour door, cried out the words, he ordered in a trembling voice. Poor captain raised his eyes, and at once a look at the rum went over out went out of him, left him staring staring sober. Expression in his face was not so much as terror as of, of moral sickness. He made a movement to rise, but do not believe he had enough force left his body. Now, Bill, sit where you are, said the beggar. If I can't see, I can't hear a finger stirring. I can hear a finger stirring. Business is business. Hold your left hand, boy. Take this left hand of my wrist 
and bring it in here, my right. We both obeyed him to the letter. I saw him pass something from that shallow of the hand and held his stick in the palm of the captives, which closed upon it instantly. And now and it's done, said the blind man, words he suddenly left him, hold of me, and with incredible accuracy and nimbleness, skipped out the pile onto the road, where I still stood motionless. I could hear his stick go tap, tap, tapping into the distance. For some time before, even I, the captain, seemed to gather some of our senses. By length, and about the same moment, I realised his wrist, which I was still holding. He drew in his hand, and he had drew in his hand, looked sharply in the palm. Ten o'clock, he cried. Six hours. We do not know yet. He sprang to his feet. And even as he did so, he reeled with his hand to his throat, stood swaying for a moment, and then with a peculiar sound, fell from his whole height, face foremost to the floor, around him at once, calling to my mother, but haste was all, all in vain. The captain, instructed by thundering apocryphy, and curious, and it, it, it is a curious thing to understand, but I am certain never might, might like, I certainly never liked the man, though as late I began to pity him. But as soon as I saw he was dead, I burst in a flood of tears, the second death unknown in the hot sorrow, and first was still, and the sorrow of the first was still fresh in my heart.